0: And now, Dan Apples, Connecting the Dots.
1: If tomorrow all the things were gone,
0: I'd work for all my life. And I had to start again just my children and my wife I think my lucky stars to be living here today where the flag still stands for freedom and they can't take that away
1: Well, good Tuesday morning, and welcome to Connecting the Dots with Dan Happel. And today, we've got a great program. We're going to be talking about uh, America being murdered in its sleep. And we have two great guests today. Uh, Diane Gruber is an attorney, a retired attorney, that uh, practiced law in the Portland, Oregon area. She saw the transfer of power, the changes in the Oregon, uh, Portland, Oregon area. And she actually filed a lawsuit against the Bar Association because they were censoring. Uh, people who were conservatives, and uh, they were uh, making it very difficult to practice law in the Portland area if you weren't a screaming liberal. Well, she's going to be talking about her experiences. Uh, She's now living in uh, just outside of the Seattle area, living in uh, Vancouver Bay. She's in on an island uh, out in that bay, and uh, she is going to be joined today by Another good friend, uh, <laughs> uh, George Kaler, is one of the probably one of the funniest and one of the coolest people I know. I absolutely love George. He has a book called Surviving Georgie that, strangely enough, uh, parallels much of my childhood experiences out on the farm. And uh, all I can say is it's a hoot to read. Uh, I recommend people to go to the the, uh, Amazon site and look up Surviving Georgie. Uh, Great little story, really funny. Anyway, we're going to be talking today about how The American public have been sound asleep, and meanwhile, the whole country, our whole system of government has been very gradually and very deliberately destroyed before our very eyes. And how we, as citizens, uh, can get our country back. And uh, we're going to do it because I know I saw the tipping point about a year and a half ago, maybe two years ago, over the COVID scam. And people started to wake up. And I am seeing uh, a complete change in the attitude in this country just within the last year and a half or so, and it's growing by the day. And I think we actually have a very good opportunity now to get our country back. Uh, at least that's what we're going to be talking about. Uh, Diane, first of all, welcome to the program. We had a great discussion yesterday. You you are so involved in so many things, but uh, the the article that you wrote, and you do write a great uh, a great. Uh, I guess I would call it a newsletter on Substack, and you had a great article in there about how uh, the old Biden administration have a case before the Supreme Court, trying to tax people for the escalated value of their property, but not as a property tax to call that income and, uh, and charge an income tax on a yearly basis based on the property value of your house. So in other words, somebody that bought their house 40 years ago and has had it paid for, for 20 or 30 years, Uh, all of a sudden, even though they're living on a very, very tight fixed income, maybe Social Security, uh, a few investments, but don't have the money to pay for a house that has gone up in value, maybe uh, 800, 1,000%, maybe 2,000% since they bought it and now the government wants to tax them for it. This is the kind of crap that socialism brings into our country, and today we're going to be talking about just how mad and insane these programs are. Diane, welcome to the program.
2: Welcome. Can you hear me? I've got my new Yeti mic now. Oh, okay. Yeah, you sound great. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Okay. Well, I can't wrap my head around this. This mm-hmm. will be a major, major upheaval in lifestyles, which of course that's what the left wants, and a huge increase in poverty and homelessness. Mm-hmm. This, this isn't just a, um, oh, it's not a tax issue. It's not even a real estate issue. It is a lifestyle issue. It will put senior citizens, especially, who are especially vulnerable, it will make them homeless. Because they'll have to sell their house just to pay the tax hmm. if they if if this goes through. and it is and it isn't just we've been my article focused on home ownership because that's uh that's the major asset people Americans have. and people that may own a house may not own even stocks perhaps hmm. or other investments. That may be their only investment, if you want to call it that. And so I, I focused on that, but it, but also um, it'll be all assets, mm-hmm. everything you own. It may be something you, you know, when the IRS gets through with us and figuring out how they're going to implement this, they may wind up claiming you own an asset that has appreciated and they want some bucks for it. It could be a coin collection, for example. Well, My husband didn't buy his coin collection all in one mass you know, Mm -hmm. 50 Mm -hmm. years ago or 10 years ago, whatever, where he has a purchase price and then now the current value and there's the difference and that's what they will tax you on, right? No, you accumulate it over time. So it's going to wind up with a lot of different assets. They aren't going to be taxing the difference of when you bought it and when you now have it, what its value is they, they'll have no, they'll be taxing the whole value. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, it, it's, it's that simple. And, and I, and I really, since you and I talked, I really started thinking about things. Are they going to do the, apply this to um, IR, uh, excuse me, IRS, IRAs mm-hmm. and um, uh, 401ks? Are they, and how, and, and how are they going to assess the value of your house? the current market value of your house is the IRS going to hire, you know, maybe, I don't know, 200, 300,000 more agents with guns, and they're going to be doing the assessment. They're going to send you the figure and then, you know, fork over this uh, um, amount of money, or will they force you to have an appraisal done on your house? I mean, I'm just talking about the logistics here, Mm
0: -hmm.
2: appraiser appraisal done on your house, and then you have to prove what you purchased it for. And then they're going to tax the difference. And they're going to, my guess is they're going to want the money all in one year. So that's, that's just going to throw all kinds of people, uh, modest income people. That's it. They're done. They're homeless. Mm -hmm. And of course, that's what the socialists and the Marxists want. They want us uh, living on charity, government charity. They want us living in section eight housing. You know, if they implement this, they will not be able to build enough section eight housing fast enough to house all the homeless people. Just just as a practical matter, you know, this just rearranges everything, literally
0: everything.
1: Well, Diane, what it will do is is eliminate the middle class, which is what all socialists want to do. They want to eliminate that middle class. It's been the Mm -hmm. strength of America for several hundred years. The fact that we could build a strong and viable middle class. And that's one of the things I want to get rid of, but uh, isn't it interesting that one of the first things that uh, O'Biden did when he became uh, the duly selected resident of the White House, uh, he uh, hired 86,000 new IRS agents, many of them being armed. Uh, and that was one of the first things he did. This is all part of a program, all part of a plan to destroy the middle class in America. And your comment is absolutely right. When my wife and I uh, built our place up here in Montana, we did it with the idea that we were going to have to, at some point when we were retired, live on a fixed income, Mm -hmm. and that we would have everything paid for. Before right. that yeah. happened. And their living a lot expenses of,
2: would be significantly reduced if you don't right. have a mortgage or rent. Right.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And if you build a house that's, say, low maintenance and has uh, certain building materials that are low maintenance, you don't have a lot of those costs. There are a lot of elderly people in this country that planned that back 50, 60 years ago and uh if if it weren't for that they couldn't afford to live
2: right my parents passed away in the house i grew up in and they built it themselves over time Mm -hmm. they started with the basement they built the basement and that's where we lived until i was about 11 years old and then they built the upstairs the second story and uh yeah i mean that's just one example and they lived very comfortably they had a very nice house but, you know, I'm living in a neighborhood now or uh, on the, I, I have to correct you there, Dan, I don't live in Vancouver. I live at the mouth of the Columbia River on the Long Beach Peninsula. Oh,
1: oh and, okay. Yeah, right
2: at the, uh, and I want to talk about the Columbia River in a little bit on a different, on a similar topic. But um, I'm learning, uh, been, we've been here three years this mo- uh, this month, and I'm learning that there's a lot of poverty here. And people live in, in uh, derelict mold, motor home, mobile homes, uh, fifth wheels, mm-hmm. travel trailers, without electricity or water or heat. Uh, some people are living in tents. And um, well, we're just gonna get, uh, and, and a lot of people living paycheck to paycheck or social security check to social security check, and they are housed. These people are housed, but just barely. Mm-hmm. And so this will just, this will just push more of them out into the tent that we live in. the, you know, we'll have, we'll have whole huge blocks of tents all over this peninsula. Once, once this kicks into high gear with the, with the IRS. Now I, I am a little bit uh, hopeful here because Bill O'Reilly said yesterday that there's no way the Supreme court's going to do this to us, that they are going. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I mean, for what it's worth, uh, in more versus the United States, um, you know, bless his heart, I, you know, Bill. I Reilly hope he's right. Yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah, so. I hope he's right. But the fact is, as good communists always do, mm-hmm. they never ever relent. If they lose this one, they'll come up with another one, and another oh, yeah. one, and, oh, another, yeah. one, and oh, yeah. another one, and they keep going until they get their way. It's just that mm-hmm. simple.
2: Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, George. Then, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, I'm just going to say I don't appreciate the fact that they label this a quote wealth tax, unquote, because that gives the average person the impression that only the wealthy will suffer under this. I wish we could come up with a better term like, I don't know, uh, steal Uh your home. Tax. How about a poverty tax? That's the best. A poverty one. tax, yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> whatever, make you pop, make you poverty-stricken tax. Mm-hmm. I mean, something Homelessness yeah. tax. You know, whatever. Okay, I'm sorry. Go ahead.
1: <laughs> no, that's no problem. I just wanted to, I wanted to say a to George. I, uh, George, you're you're a great friend. You've become such a good friend over the last uh, number of years, and uh, I, I just love to have you on the program because you're such a wise man. Uh, Go good, morning. good morning. Good morning. Can you hear me? I'm on a brand new computer,
3: yes. and I don't know yes. if it's programmed for this yet. Great. You look but great. You, you sound great. Great. Yep. You know, one of the problems right now. By the way, I'm I'm in my office here uh, in Lynchburg, Virginia. And what you said about my book, Surviving Georgie, it's actually not on Amazon now. After your and my dear friend, Pat Matriciana, died, I took it off Amazon. And, uh, but people can still go to survivinggeorgie.com. Can you hear me now? I wanted to mention the Chinese. When a home comes up for sale, uh, there's investment. Corporations within China—they're buying up our single-family homes. Yes, yes, mm-hmm. yes, yes. And they rent them out, and it's an excellent investment mm-hmm. uh, for the Chinese. But the rents—I don't know if you've seen how much the rents have gone up on those homes that the Chinese are buying. But a home stays on the market just a short time because the Chinese snap it up. Mm-hmm. So, if people are losing their homes yeah. to taxes, yeah. that's one thing. Yeah. But in a lot of cases, we're just losing all of our single-family homes to the Chinese. Yes. Mm-hmm. Apartment buildings too. Yes. Uh, yes. People don't realize just how yeah how anxious to buy our real yes. estate the Chinese are. They don't have that many places where they can invest,
1: and America is a good place to invest especially well, on our real estate. And you're right, uh, George, and their real estate market is completely collapsed. And uh, so that okay. that huge uh, asset in China is pretty much worthless. So they're trying to buy assets where there is value in the United States. Being a free market economy allows them to do that.
2: Mm-hmm. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
3: My my daughter and her husband taught at Wellington University. It's a rich English school in Hangzhou, China, for two years, and they recently left, moved to Malaysia. I'm just so happy that they're out of China. Yeah. Yeah. And during the COVID, they were there for the COVID um, planned epidemic, and it just. The things that the Chinese government did to their people was simply beyond belief. And a lot of the people, their apartment doors were simply welded shut. So the people couldn't get out. They were starved to death. Nobody could get in either. People starved to death, literally. Starved to death in their own apartments. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And COVID, now that I'm thinking about it, my third client uh, lost his wife, after the vaccination. I have three clients now who have lost their wives to oh, the vaccination. Yeah. And another client who, after his business was shut down, he shot himself. Yeah. The problem is men are oftentimes, uh, when men, uh, when they meet each other, they say, well, what do you do? No, oh, okay, and what do you do? Men are identified more by their jobs than by anything else. Mm-hmm. And so when a man meets another man, he, well, what do you do? Well, I'm not doing anything. I lost my business, it's all been shut down. I mean, that's truly a tragedy. Mm-hmm. It'd be like a woman saying, well, my family died. Oh, it's hard to get past so. that. Yes. We've had seven, seven suicides right here in Central Virginia from men who lost their businesses during the COVID shutdown. Mm-hmm. Very frustrating.
1: Well, George, you said something really important, and that is that uh, all this stuff that's been happening in China, but the fact is is it's happening more and more in the United States. And you are a perfect example of just exactly how that uh, selective interference process works because you went to Washington, D.C. on January 6th, Took a busload of your friends with you uh, to support the president, just like I did. I was there as well, as you know. We we tried to connect, but we never could. Uh, but I was there as well. I did not go to the Capitol, but I went there to uh, protest the fact that there were obvious irregularities in the election and to support. President Trump. That's exactly why we were there. We wanted an investigation and we wanted Congress to do it because it was their duty as our elected representatives to hear the American people and address the grievances that we had, the concerns that we had about the election process. They failed to do that. That was what happened on January 6th. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because of the false narrative of what happened at the Capitol, they shut down the entire uh, investigation into the election fraud, and it went absolutely nowhere from there. That's exactly why it was handled the way it was, is so they could shut down that investigation. George, you were there. Uh, can do you dare tell our listeners why uh, I brought this up and how it had a, a personal impact on you? I can't talk too much about it because there's litigation going on right now.
3: But I will say this: uh, I was there, and when you saw that the uh, Capitol Police were shooting. The protesters, before the protesters got all uh, angry and everything, did you see them shooting them with plastic bullets?
0: Yeah,
3: they were. And I thought that is going to just make them mad. Then they were throwing uh, um, concussion, now, gas uh, and gr- concussion grenades. And uh, yeah, yep. And I thought, why are they doing that? And a girlfriend of mine that was there with me, well, she's 77 and uh, a lot younger than I am. I'm 80, <laughs> but she she disappeared for a while. And she came back about, oh, 45 minutes later. And I said, Renee, where have you been? And she said, I've been over at the Capitol steps. I said, why didn't you go in? She said, it's a trap. Don't go in. Yeah,
0: yeah.
3: I said, what makes you think it's a trap? She said, I can spot people who are just out of place. It's a little bit like when you're in a foreign country, they can tell you're a tourist, an American tourist. I mean, we just doesn't matter how we dress.
2: Yeah. (laughs) Right. Oh yes. Oh yes.
3: And so she (laughs) said, I spotted Antifa was there. uh, FBI plants were there. And uh, I said, did you get any pictures? She said, yeah, lots of pictures. Well, those pictures have disappeared off her phone, not from her. But her phone was scrubbed uh, without her giving up possession of her phone. So the pictures of the FBI plants and Antifa are gone. And uh, as were her uh, her Google account, uh, she was scrubbed from Facebook and so on. It's like she disappeared. Mm-hmm. It's almost like in Stalinist uh, Russia when you saw a uh, – a group of men, all of a sudden, you see one fewer, and then another one gone. They're just the airbrushing them out. She, yeah. She's been airbrushed out yeah. Uh, yeah. as far as the things that she saw at the Capitol steps. But it was good advice. She said, don't go in there. It's a trap. Mm-hmm. And it was a trap. So I got home, and the next day, my broker-dealer called me and said, we want your resignation. I said, what for, what have I done? They said terrorizing congressmen at the Capitol yesterday. You're hurting our company brand. Um, You're pretty well known and it's getting out there that you're an insurrectionist, so we want your resignation. I said, I have been with you for 35 years without one client complaint. I've been featured in Newsweek as an exemplar of what a financial planner should be. And you're telling me that I'm hurting the company brand. He said, if you don't resign, we'll have to fire you. And you know what that'll mean with the NASD. Well, what it means is if you resign, you can find another broker dealer. If you don't resign, you're radioactive for about another five years. Well, at the time I was 78, that would mean I'd be 83 before I could get back into the game. All my clients would be gone. Um, who knows what would have happened by, you know, within five years it's my industry changes every day. Mm-hmm. And so I resigned and uh, word got out that I was uh, available. And, and uh, so I got a lot of calls from other broker dealers. Uh, they weren't interested in me. They were interested in what I call my book. You know, of my investors that I could bring them with me. Well, uh, a lot of them came with me, but some of them didn't. Because it was out there, they'd been informed of what I'd done, that I was an insurrectionist and a few oh, of them. Oh, George, me.
2: George, what do you mean? How were they informed? How did your employer well, find out the next day that you had physically been in DC? How did that get out?
3: I was they got a call uh from members of a of a Facebook hate group.
2: Oh, okay. And
3: uh and and the people who did this admitted they did that, but they asked for what's called a demure. And maybe you know about that, Diane. It's like, yeah, we did it, but Kayler deserved it. And also is a well-known person. Well I'm not well known like Dan Happel, but uh they said I'm a public person. And uh so the judge so far, has dismissed the demure argument, and uh, he upheld the claims of uh, defamation and lying on three different counts. So it's going to go to jury trial, uh, probably around. Are you are, are uh, you June
2: suing the uh, are, are you suing the people? I know you're suing your your brokerage, but are you suing the people that shall I say ratted you out to the brokerage?
3: I'm suing the head of the hate group.
2: Oh, okay. Okay.
3: Can so you name it? I can't can mention anything the, more about that because you can't the name the hate group it's in litigation.
1: Force? But okay. Okay.
2: Well, knowing
1: hate groups like I do, there's I know lots of them. Well, they've disappeared know, off Facebook now. I almost guarantee I know which uh, which one you're talking about. So and there's so many of them. Well, I've been attacked by a particular group uh, myself, so I know exactly how they work. And that sounds perfectly like they work. And incidentally, they work very closely with the FBI and uh, law enforcement to identify bad people. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. And uh, strangely enough, this group came from very strong communist roots that the head of that actually uh, was a, a confirmed Marxist. So it's funny how our government and how law enforcement—one uh, of their main sources of inside information—is a communist group. But that we'll go. We'll let that go. Uh, anyway, uh, George, talk about a little bit, if you would, the fact that. Uh, uh, you were identified, even though you didn't even go into the Capitol building, you didn't even go on the steps, did you? No, I was
3: on the other side of the Reflecting Lake. It shows that my, my internet is still unstable, and it says I'm stable, unstable too, so uh, <laughs> I'm afraid I'll say something mean I didn't here. tell anybody. But no, I... <laughs> <laughs> I didn't go I didn't go into the Capitol. I was on the other side of the Capitol steps. Uh-huh. You know, when I got there, well, Dan, you know a lot about this because you were there, but I went and listened to uh, President Trump and I was in the back of the crowd. And uh, then he said, go and peacefully and loudly, whatever it was, make your voices heard. He didn't say, go be an insurrectionist or go hurt somebody. Mm-hmm. If we'd be an insurrectionist, you saw the name, the uh, number of the crowd there it was huge. Mm-hmm. If we would have been insurrectionists, we would have been armed. We could have taken all of Washington, uh, an army that big, hundreds of thousands of people, Millions. nobody was armed. I mean, mm-hmm. nobody was armed. And, uh, mm-hmm. and they say we killed six six capital policemen. <laughs> no, no capital <laughs> policemen died at all because of us. Mm-hmm. One died of a struck the next day, but... He didn't die from anything that happened with us. He had already had a several strokes, and and uh, it was just it was just unfortunate. The only person that died was Ashley Babbitt, who was murdered. Uh, five, I think she was five foot two. Um, retired Air Force, and shot point blank. And I'm not going to get into that very much either, because. Um, I have a personal connection there I don't want to talk about, but she literally was murdered. And the guy who did it
1: is on a full pension and
3: nothing happened to him.
1: Yeah, there were actually uh, three civilians that were killed uh, by the Capitol Police that day. And uh, it's amazing that uh, not one firearm was found on anyone in the crowd in the civilian crowd that uh was at the capitol not one and the only armed people there were the uh, capitol police and incidentally you're right they uh they you've you've talked to david summerall haven't you i i tried to introduce you guys earlier um, mm-hmm. david has got like fourteen thousand hours of film that he's put together in various uh, productions showing exactly how that whole uh, thing unfolded. And it is so obvious that the people that were there, if there was anyone in the crowd that was violent, they were there because they were being paid to do that. Yeah.
2: And t was and- getting $45 an hour, George, according to your friend there. Remember? Yeah. They $45 an hour. Yeah,
1: the rents. Were-
3: Antifa people were there, they told Renee, "We're making forty-five dollars an hour. What are you making?" And of course, we didn't get paid anything to be there; we were just there. I and wanna, they were bust I right up, up to the steps, were they
2: not, George? They were bust. The Antifa was bust right up. Yeah, to the they were steps steps in. of in the capital. Uh,
3: mm-hmm. Yeah. I asked a guy that was there. Uh, I listened to I listened to President Trump. He gave his talk. He said, "Go and peacefully and loudly make your voices heard." Mm-hmm. Well, I'm a fast walker. Have you ever walked, uh, I don't want to guess you have, from uh, the Washington Memorial and down on through there to uh, the Capitol? That's about two miles. And I got there first, because the, I was in the back of the first crowd, and so I was in the front of the second crowd. And there was a guy there. And... Uh, I looked up on the steps and there were a bunch of people acting up, some guys climbing up the wall. And I thought, why would they climb up the wall, since they have steps they can walk up? (laughs) And that was just for show, Mm -hmm. and uh, that they were climbing up the steps, like, I mean, climbing up the wall, I guess, maybe to show that they could do it. But Mm -hmm. I said, where'd they come from? And uh, the guy said, well, they were bussed in about an hour ago, and uh, the bus let them out, and there they are. I said, well, they didn't get to hear President Trump's talk. He said, I guess they didn't wanna hear President Trump's talk. But the whole day, Mm -hmm. I was so ticked off. Uh, There there were no food stands, no uh, outside toilets. I found a a clump of bushes at the end of the day, and I heard that Washington was built on a marsh. Well, when I emptied my bladder inside that clump of bushes, I left a marsh. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then a bunch of guys, I don't know what the girls did, but I saw, a bunch of guys uh, saw where I'd come out of the clump of bushes. So all of a sudden they were all lined up to the clump of bushes. So I'm sure we left an environmental disaster in there. But uh, <laughs> it was, uh, and then on our cell phones, which didn't work during the day, but all of a sudden we all get this message that said, the mayor has declared uh, uh, that you have to leave or be arrested, you have to leave them all. I thought, well, that just ices the cake. I was just so mad. And then I got on the bus to go back home, and I got the call the next day that I'd been fired, so to speak. Very frustrating day, I I like being part of history. I marched with Martin Luther King in 1964. I saw the Berlin Wall fell. Um, I saw Hank Aaron beat Babe Ruth's record. I'm almost like Forrest Gump. I've been in a lot of places and I've seen a lot of things, but that's one day that I kind of wish I hadn't participated. I lost roughly, well, well over a million dollars in revenue uh, because I was there that day.
1: Well, George, but don't ever think that because you were there for the right reason. You were there because you're a great American patriot. And the fact is, we know that we're going to have to suffer some tribulations as a real a result of that. They always have. The patriots have always had to be the ones that got the bloody noses. But the fact is, we're also the ones that are going to save this country. And what you're doing, the fact that you're continuing this in a court of law is a perfect way to do that. You know, you're 80 years old, you're not going to go out and Fight with your fists, but you can sure fight with your mind, and that's the advantage of being old—is that you've got uh, a lot of wisdom, a lot of vision that are part of that uh, p- part of that arsenal that you carry. Yes, Dan, I'm just old. No.
2: <laughs> no, no, but you have an historical memory, George. Mm-hmm. You have an historical memory that somebody say under forty doesn't. You you have watched how, and so have I, and maybe Dan, because he's a little mm-hmm. bit younger, and 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 Thumper there is a little, even a little younger. But, I mean, we've watched <laughs> both in real time and then in hindsight how the left has taken over this country little mm-hmm. by little by little. And now it's – well, now it's just snowballing. It's, it is going so fast now. Now people are starting to go, oh, they should have been going – 20 or 30 years ago but it wasn't rapid enough for people to have noticed I mean I still go back to the the great Society that's mm-hmm. my perspective is that's when they sucked so much money out of the household budget the wages of a husband and father trying to raise his his kids and support his wife uh they sucked all that money out and and now we've got Households, you know, where mom and dad are both working full time, and they can barely, barely keep it together and feed their kids. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I mean, it's just even before Biden. Well, Biden has completely just thrown uh, thrown lower income people to the wolves. I mean, the food banks here can't keep up with it. They've never seen the like since he came on board. But even before that. that's why we don't have any stay at home mothers anymore. It isn't a hundred percent because all these women want to be out there uh, with careers and stuff. Um, I would, I would posit to you that most mothers when they got newborns, they got little guys, little guys, you know, before they go to even start school, they'd rather be home with them. They realize how how vitally important those first few years are. At least they want to be home part-time at least, but Mm -hmm. that they got to feed the monster in DC. Well, Diane, you look at the
1: a Communist Manifesto, and there's a couple of things that obviously that are part of that, what you're talking about, destroying the family, destroying faith, yes. right. uh, going after religion. Right. And so, the yeah. Great Society was all part of the bigger plan to Marxify the United States. And when they did that, it was no accident that Gloria Steinem was a CIA paid operative. Uh, you know, the, Burn the Bra" crowd were there to uh, create the kind of situation that they did. And in the process, they got all the women or at least the majority of women uh, out of the house it destroyed the family. Do do we know how the baby boom ended and how the uh, uh, one child or maybe two children uh, started to happen on a more regular basis? It was because of exactly what we experienced. Mm -hmm. This is not accidental. This is all part of a much bigger plan and mm-hmm. i i'm tickled that they're pushing the buttons they are right now because quite honestly it's exposing the left for the evil rotten individuals that they are and what their ultimate plan for the world is and i hope that enough americans have got the guts to stand up and say wait a minute i don't want that happening on my watch and they'll actually do something about it
2: well and I,
1: I suggest yep, um, that. Go ahead.
2: Go, oh no, go ahead, George. Go ahead.
3: No, no, I'm just looking where I, I have a slot here on my new computer for the Ethernet. If it's it's an Ethernet or Ethernet, maybe I can get a better better uh, connection.
2: Okay. With that. I'll, well, I'll talk while you do that. Yeah. Um, okay. I suggest to you that the that the haters that we're seeing that whether. Well, The hate, how do I say this? All the hate that we've seen expressed out in public in riots and so forth over the last, I'm going to say decade, it's probably been further back than that. I suggest to you that that is in part because these people were not raised, they were not socialized when they were young. Uh, up until roughly the age of eight, it is absolutely vital. That's when you find, get your sense of right and wrong. That's when you're socialized. That's when you you know, you learn that you aren't the most important thing in the world. There are other people too. You, they have needs as well as you. And the people, I'm going to use the Hamas lovers there as, as one example. The Hamas lovers that we are seeing in the in the universities and in the streets and so forth, they are part of these this, they were raised to hate they weren't socialized and when you have hate in your heart you have to find a target you get frustrated you have to find a target to to project that hate onto okay well today it's the you know it's the jews all right well in 2020 it was white people and the white privilege when all when they were all, all those people were rioting in the streets. For, uh, Antifa and BLM were rioting in the streets. And I, I hasten to add here that don't assume that all those rioters were black people, because right. they were. not There were virtually very few black people rioting in Portland, and the riot went on from May until October. Mm-hmm. Portland has a very very small black population. Maybe that was part of it. There were white people mm-hmm. coming from out of state to join the rioting because when the rioting stopped in their other cities, Portland had the longest riot. Stopped in their other cities, they didn't have enough their hate out of them yet, so they came to Portland, and so forth. And it's it's I see one of a, I see the same. I see I, I see no difference between the hatred expressed by BLM and Antifa. Toward, you know, the conservatives and Christians and whatever else lump out every everybody you know we're all being demonized right now. I see no difference between that and what they're doing uh, to the Jews right now, and, and indeed many of them are probably the same people uh, expressing their hatred. So well, I mean, there's no rationale well, to it? No, there isn't.
1: And and Diane, this has always been a problem. Uh, the people who accuse us of <laughs> being bad are the ones that are bad. That's that's the way communism works. Yeah. You project yeah. all yeah. your evils on everybody else, yeah. and that's how you uh, create the demons that uh, you've got all these people trying to fight. We don't want that. We and I, I say that. I mean, I'm serious about that. George, I know you feel the same way. Diane, yeah. you feel the same way. We don't want to hurt people, we don't want to uh, destroy people, right. we want people to wake up and use their mind and their ears and their eyes to see the truth. That's all we want.
2: Yeah. I mean, and then just uh, check things out. You don't have to agree with every little diddly thing I might uh, state as fact. Don't, don't, Don't even pay attention to me. Check it out yourself take a little tidbit of what I've said and check it out. Right. I mean, and that's all that needs to be done. And maybe you'll start realizing that the fantasy world you live in isn't working. I mean, I shouldn't say it that way. You live in a fantasy world of mm-hmm. your own making, or a, a, well, maybe not entirely of your own making. You live in a fantasy world while while... The Biden regime and the left and whatever you, whatever you want to call them, the deep state, are destroying the world you know now, won't be here in five or 10 years, and they won't just wipe out the America, my lifestyle, or George's, or Dan's lifestyle, and, and how and so forth. They'll wipe out the lifestyles of people that agree with them, people right. on the left that voted for them. They will be at the bottom of the rung just as quick as wealthy George there. <laughs> I mean, it, you, you understand my point? They're not gonna I do. Say, okay, well, you were on our side for all these 30 years, uh, so-and-so. So so we won't take your house with the wealth tax, or we won't, uh, you know, whatever. We won't throw you into uh, into the political prison that they're building here in Washington State, I might add. Uh, no, No, it doesn't work that way. They'll be doing it to all of us. Mm-hmm. And disease, that's why I don't understand why these people can't at least see that, you know, oh, these right. people demonize us and say we all should be punished. Well, but we won't be the only ones. Maybe, maybe right. the first ones that are punished right now, like, like George has been punished. But no, down the road, everybody will be in the same boat. We'll be elbow to elbow with each other in 15 minute cities.
1: Mm-hmm. So. You're absolutely right. And that ties
2: right in, doesn't it? Taking our houses away from us sure. ties right into their their plan for fifteen minute cities.
1: Absolutely, it's all stack and pack housing. It's all about yep. control, owned Everything by the federal control.
2: government, mm-hmm. or by their corporate uh, um, minions. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. George uh, Diane,
1: did yeah. how did your uh, how did your uh, search for uh, Ethernet go? It didn't. I just discovered that on this
3: laptop, there's no slot to plug in the Ethernet. Nice. It's uh, Wi-Fi only. And if it's... uh, Yeah. uh, That's it. I'm out of business. (laughs) But what... Can you hear me now? Diane reminded me of something. The French Revolution... Remember Robespierre, and uh, I'm not sure I'm pronouncing it right. Uh, he was. Yeah, we always refer to him as
1: Robespierre. To yeah. the guillotine.
2: Mm-hmm. He went to the guillotine. Mm-hmm. 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 And
3: he. He went to the guillotine too, but it didn't. It didn't make anybody else feel better that he went to the guillotine. I mean, their heads were chopped off, and so the yeah. people that are that are. They're always insulated, but the people who are cheering them on—they're yeah. going to yes. suffer the same consequences. We can't wake them up; they don't believe it that it's no. heading this way for them. You know, when my dad uh, on his on my dad's one hundredth birthday, I said, "Daddy, does life seem long? After all, you've lived a hundred years." He said, "Georgie, no." I can't believe how fast it's gone by. And yet mm-hmm. I've probably seen more change during my lifetime yeah. than perhaps any man in history.
2: Yeah. From yeah.
3: plowing behind mules,
2: uh-huh. no electricity. Seeing,
3: yeah. And to seeing little machines running around on Mars. Mm-hmm. He mm-hmm. said, but some of the changes are so regrettable he said my life as hard as it was was a lot easier than I'm, what i'm seeing in the world today the people that have to live in this world
2: what day what More year difficult. did he pass away what year
3: yeah he died he died in uh, let's see 6 6 years ago
2: okay 2017 so, okay okay yeah
3: yeah and so You know, it's a real blessing to me having a close relationship with my dad, even into my seventies. And I have a picture here of, uh, let me get it off the wall, a picture of my dad and my little brother and I, and uh, here we go, right after the, uh, daddy's in the middle there. And actually he's sitting on the, the fender of a truck but he looks, okay. he looks shorter than he is. And this but, is your um,
2: younger brother?
3: I'm with my younger brother. Yeah, he's 12 years younger than I am. Oh, my. over we there. Oh, my. And at the end of the hunt, he said, uh, boys, I've got something to tell you. I said, what? He was 98 at the time. He said, <laughs> this is our last hunt. He said, this is our last hunt together. I said, Daddy, I'm just getting used to you. <laughs> he said, We've hunted together. For, <laughs> we've hunted together for 65 years, uh, in, not just here in America, but in other places around the world. We've been hunting companions. But he said, I can't be sure of a one shot kill. And I'm not mm-hmm. going to take a shot oh. unless I can be sure yeah. of a one shot kill. He prided himself on a one shot kill. Yeah. Yeah. I never, in, I didn't inherit one molecule of his uh, hand-eye coordination. It didn't, he didn't shoot an animal. He executed it. It didn't matter how fast it was running or flying or how far oh. away. It didn't matter. Wow. It was going to be dead. When he pulled the trigger, it was going to wow. be dead.
2: Very accurate. And, uh,
3: he could shoot a pheasant out of the air with a bow and arrow. Wow! Uh, In my book, Surviving Georgie, after that horrible rooster flogged me, he got that thing on a dead run right in the head with a slingshot. He carried a whammo slingshot around with him to discipline the cows that were running in the wrong direction. While he pulled off the slingshot, hit that rooster right in the head on a dead run. And just, he could have been in, uh, if he weren't a farmer, he could have put on exhibitions uh, Mm -hmm. on the last day of school every year. I went to a one-room one school back in the 50s, and the last day of school, uh, the mothers and fathers who could would come, and we'd have a big picnic, and one of the features was my dad. And he would do marksmanship. He would fast draw and shoot little things out of the air with a pistol, shoot uh, with a bow and arrow, shoot things out of the air. Wow. And then one child would pick up a rock and throw it. We had a kid in the school who could really throw. He would throw a rock, and Daddy would throw another rock and hit his rock in the air.
2: Oh, come on. As I said,
3: he did. It was unbelievable. It was mystical. And as I Mm -hmm. said to him, how do you do that? I want to be able to do that. And he said, you can't. I said, why not? He said, because it comes naturally, Mm -hmm. or it doesn't come at all. He said, all I have to do is see it, Uh and I'll hit it. He said, in your case, you have to think it through, and you can't do it. Ah. Ah. <laughs> so that's the way it was. But he he talked about how life, especially in America, had changed so drastically and so badly. And the Great Society, it wasn't just about uh, yeah. transferring income from the workers to the non-workers. It was about emasculating the black man. Mm-hmm. Oh. And Lyndon Johnson Sorry. was a true racist. He was oh, a big yes. oh, racist.
2: Yeah. Oh, I've studied him, and, uh, oh, he's awful, mm-hmm. yeah.
3: And the single, did you know that at the time the Black, that uh, the, the Great Society came along, the divorce rate That's was wrong. lower in the Black community. Yeah. The single parent uh, was rarer, more rare in the Black community than in the white community. Mm-hmm. Black families were intact at the time. After the Great Society, there was no need for the black man mm-hmm. to be in the house. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And oftentimes, when I'm uh, talking to a black man, I'll say, where do you live? He'll say, I stays in such and such a place. He doesn't live there. He stays there. Okay. And uh, the thought of what? being a father... And living in the home, it isn't there, he stays here, he stays there, but he's pretty much homeless. He just has a place to go that he can sleep. In fact, he calls it uh, his crib. And uh, at least that's here in Lynchburg. Uh, my crib is in.
2: That's where I sleep. Girlfriend to girlfriend's apartment it, too. You know, various girlfriends are it, on, it usually on welfare, is. and he goes from apartment to apartment. Perhaps.
3: Well, this is going to sound this is going to sound unbelievable and horrible, but it's just the way it is. I was talking to a welfare worker in our church, and uh, I asked how these women get money, and she said, well, they have welfare. They get their apartment paid for. And I said, well, what about the men that aren't married to them? He said, well, they get their, what's called their little bounties. They go around and collecting, It depends on how many children that they sired because she's getting money based on how many children that she's raising. He gets money on how many he sired. I thought, you know, until we get rid of this situation, I don't see any, I don't see any hope for these black boys that are growing up without a role model.
1: Mm -hmm. Um, my George, I'm going to stop you at that point. And do you also know that the, with the abortion movement that, uh, the majority of uh, abortions uh, are uh, minority abortions? Oh, hey, heavens, yeah.
3: Blacks, yeah. Yeah.
2: what, 60%? Well, and, yeah. Something like that? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah.
3: Margaret Sanger said, you know, she was a racist, and, and abortion mm-hmm. was about, about ridding the world of inferior races, which she said was the black race. And it said, I remember one time our our yard man, Anthony, who is the father and his raising his children. Uh, I I went over to his house and I said, Anthony, do you have my ladder? He said, Yeah, and a bunch of your other stuff too. I said, Well, I need my ladder. <laughs> and while I was there, uh, little boys were, <laughs> he had all kinds of tools that were mine. And I guess he used them for his work, but I didn't mind. You know, a lovable guy. And little boys were dropping by and they were giving Anthony a hug. And I thought, you know, those little boys, the the rap uh, artists, he's not the role model, the basketball star. He's not the role model. Mm-hmm. There was one father in that neighborhood raising his own kids. He was the role model mm-hmm. yeah. for all a whole lot of little black boys there. Yeah. And then I was, yeah. while well, I'm on a, I'm on a, a roll here. <laughs> I give free ukulele lessons in the black community at a place called all nations church and kids from all over. They don't need to go to that church. I buy them ukuleles and uh, they're not expensive ukuleles. I get them wholesale in case the kids get into a sword fight using ukuleles, but I was, uh, I, I don't want to destroy a five hundred dollar ukulele Uh, but I was teaching this little girl how to make her chords and she was maybe seven years old little black girl beautiful girl and as I was showing her she looked into my face and she said are you a daddy I said well my babies are grown and they have babies and she said oh maybe you could be my daddy oh there were no there were no daddies in the group
2: yeah no daddies and you know what? And, and so that's, just one. Yeah. Oh, and that's why there's so white... much. Uh, that's why there's so much, um, crime, violent crime by by young young black men and and young black women. I mean, that's escalated you know tenfold in the last few decades. No dads in the home. No. Exactly.
3: Well, an old white man, you know, he's not much of a role model for black kids. They need black. Role models, yeah, yeah. Not a guy who they know is successful, you know, and, and uh I'm able to buy them ukuleles and all that. They need somebody there. And Lynchburg is now developing a a thing called City Elders. I don't know if you've heard of it. Have you, Dan? Have you heard yeah. of City mm-hmm. Elders? Yeah, I have. It's it's really beginning to take hold here in Lynchburg. And I believe that it's making a, a, a big difference in the black community. And, uh, but, it, you know, Lyndon Johnson said, we'll put them on welfare and they'll vote for us for the next 200 years.
2: Yeah.
3: Yeah. I don't know if you've seen that quote, but he used a, uh-huh. a yeah. racist word.
2: And, oh, uh, yeah, but like the N-word, yeah. yeah. just
3: yeah. evil. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Well, I've been on a roll long enough. I mean, I'm
1: not even the guest star here.
3: Diane right, yes is. You oh, yes, you
2: are. Yes, you are.
1: <laughs> well, <laughs> Diane, let's get back to what we were talking about, though, with the, uh, the uh, tax uh, thing. Everything that we see going on, and George, you can contribute at any time, but everything we see going on right now is designed to cripple the middle class to destroy a cohesive society. That's what uh, certainly the great society was all about, to create a divisive culture that uh, tolerates racism and tolerates all this other crap because they use it as a crutch to get everybody fighting one another. Yes, And uh, th- th- it's gotten much worse under, uh, well, it got much worse under President Obama, and I refer to President O'Biden. Uh, actually, Donald Trump did more to uh, improve the job situation and the economy for blacks yeah. than, than yeah. any president in recent history uh especially obama the the uh the welfare roles went up under the so called liberal leadership and you mentioned the homeless situation in uh in your area uh bozeman montana beautiful little town uh little you know it's a fifty thousand uh person town i grew up there i went to school there um i i grew actually grew up in belgrade but uh, just, you know, eight miles away. <clears throat> but the, uh, the community of Bozeman now, it's run by a very liberal mayor. It's a sanctuary city. It's all these different things. And um, lo and behold, we've got a huge homeless population now because all the Chinese companies and all the out-of-staters are coming in and buying real estate and driving the prices through the roof. Uh, people who work with their tools, work for a living cannot afford to buy a house there. So they're living in these campers and oh. all these things scattered all over all the back streets of Bozeman. I mean, you, you couldn't uh, you couldn't possibly make this situation any worse by any kind of a policy that uh, that promotes, enterprise it couldn't possibly be uh you know in other words it would make it much better but uh they're doing this nationwide san francisco seattle all these big cities that are under all these uh very liberal um administrations and liberal policies end up destroying the the middle class and the economic base for the community and creating these gigantic ghettos. And that's exactly what's happening nationwide now.
2: Yes. Yes. Can I, uh, I have a question.
1: I have a question.
2: If your
3: house, let's say your house is worth a million dollars and then it goes up to a value of $2 million. And suddenly you're worth a million dollars more than you were. Does that help you?
2: Not unless you Not want unless to you sell it. Yeah. Not unless you want to sell it or maybe mortgage it, you know, get an equity loan. No, really doesn't. Well, doesn't. Well,
3: the problem is, if it goes from a million to two million, now you're paying taxes, just, just real estate taxes on two million. Yes. And if you do sell it, you have to have somewhere to live, so you have to go buy another place that's $2 million. It doesn't yeah. help you at all. Mm-hmm. Now, when I ran a company in Germany, uh, okay. I lived in Heidelberg, which was a beautiful little town uh, in uh, West Germany. They had what's called an asset tax, where everything that you owned best. Oh, your, your real estate, your belongings, your investments, everything. Your clothing? And yeah, your clothing. Everything was listed. It was uh, like on form, uh, the estate tax form 708, oh, where it even oh, lists please. the numbers of pairs of shoes that you have. Oh, please. Yeah, well, it, <laughs> and you oh, pay taxes on, on literally uh, everything. Oh, I just lie. Well, the Germans used to go down to... Yeah, well, the Germans used to go down to Paraguay. I I attended some of their um, flights with them because I was friends with the Germans, and they would invest their money down in uh, South America. And uh, Paraguay is an interesting. It was an interesting place. Uh, Alfredo Stroessner was the dictator, and he lent me his bodyguards. I had bodyguards when I went places, and he lent me his own airplane and. And it was a lot of fun, but the Germans, they were down there looking for investments for what they call their Schwarzgeld, their black money, Mm -hmm. the money they wanted to hide Mm -hmm. from the Finanzamt, the IRS of Germany. Mm
1: -hmm.
3: And so Germany actually ended up getting less in taxes because they drove the wealthier Germans to hide their assets, put it elsewhere, somewhere, some other country. It's going to get that way in America if it's not there already.
2: Well, it's not, not already if they go to there. CBDs. Not when they outlaw cash. Well, they, every, every move you make.
1: And, and, and of course, California is the, the poster child of how you can destroy a, a, a wonderful economy, and they're doing it right now. But the fact is, uh, California has lost 15% of their uh, wealthiest people have moved out of the state. Now wow. you take 15% of wow. the the producers, the people that uh, generate income, the investors, when you start doing that and you're bringing in unlimited illegal immigration across the Southern border, yeah. uh, California is not gonna be a very nice state for very much longer and it's yeah. it's happening now. So, Mm -hmm. Um, yes.
2: Well, and I, I would like to, uh, you know, when I was, when I was thinking about them, you know, this wealth tax or whatever, where they're going to wind up, basically you're going to be forced to sell your home to get the cash to pay the tax. I got to thinking it, 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 it's perfect for their 15 minute cities. They want to push us all into little, little enclaves and where we're not allowed to drive or, or, Uh, any further than 15 miles away and that sort of thing. Well, I got to thinking too, that's what they're doing with electricity here in Washington state. And I'm sure across the nation, uh, uh, when the energy costs go up, 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 they're doing the same thing. People can't afford heat. They can't afford to cook. And the electricity, this carbon capture nonsense that they're pushing now is several studies have said, uh, I was just reading about it, several studies have said it will increase the uh, cost of electricity anywhere from 50% to 175% higher and so that is one more way they are destroying the middle class, pushing us down, down, down. And I'd like to explain to your your viewers, I'm sure you know this, Dan, I don't know if George does, but Washington State has so much electrical power, hydroelectrical power, we feed 60, there you go, thumper, he's shaking his head, 60%, I believe it is, maybe it's a little higher than that, thumper, you might know, of our electricity usage in the state of Washington comes from the rivers. Okay, the Columbia River, the mighty Columbia River that starts up in Canada, goes south through the middle of uh, of Washington state, the Wenatchee Valley where I grew up. It goes all the way to the Oregon border, then it turns west and it empties into the Pacific just a few miles from where I now live. The mighty Columbia River, it is huge. When I bring friends out here from the East Coast, they are just like aghast at how big it is. Just absolutely, what the hell, you know, kind of thing. Okay. And then we have the Snake River over in Idaho and in eastern Washington. Yeah. Shake your head there, Thumper. Okay. They're closing down the dams. There's four Mm -hmm. dams on the Snake River that they have targeted to close down. Okay. And I, and eventually I believe they're going to get to the Columbia river dams. There's tons of, I, as a child, I watched so many dams being built on the Columbia river. So my dad was in the, uh, while well, he was with the PUD the Douglas County PUD, uh, public utility district. And so he was really into that. So us kids really knew all this stuff that was going on. Well, they're building another dam here and they're building the, you know, dam there and et cetera, et cetera. Okay. Well now in the state of Washington, they are not increasing the electrical grid. They're making plans to uh, decrease electrical output. So obviously that's going to make it more expensive. And at the same time, they're forcing us into electric cars. Mm-hmm. That's the same time. Like right now, if you want to build a um, um, commercial building of any sort in Washington state, you have to have um, the chargers. You have to build char- electric chargers with it. Okay, fine. Starting July 1st, that will be the same for houses. If you want to remodel permit for your house or you're building a new house, you have to put in an electric charger, okay, in in there. Well, okay, so they're increasing the use and then in starting in, I believe it's 2035, they will no longer license uh, gas powered cars in the mm-hmm. state of Washington. So at the same time, they're increasing the, the usage of electricity, they're decreasing the, the supply. It's like it's like it's utter madness, Diane. They're forcing us all into. We can't drive anywhere,
1: Diane. That is why Governor Gruesome Newsom in California Mm -hmm. has made it law now that they're not going to sell any gas-powered vehicles in the state of California after the year twenty thirty. And look at already, they've got brownouts in California all over the place because they don't have electrical power. Well, if you want to force somebody into a 15-minute city where the only thing they can do is take public transportation and uh, can't walk any further than 15 minutes from where they live to their uh, place
2: of employment, you've got your
1: 15-minute cities.
2: There you go. You know what? It's interesting, but my husband right now, I mean, literally, he called him yesterday. We're making arrangements to have a generax installed outside our home mm-hmm. because it's going to come. The electrical blackouts, brownouts, whatever you call them in Washington state, despite the fact that we have abundance of hydroelectric you know, power, they're going to come. They're, mm-hmm. they're going to come. They're starting to, we're starting to notice a little bit more uh you know in the last year or two also so we're getting a generac Generacs. generac mm-hmm. yeah for generac, anybody that yeah. doesn't know what that is out out in your listening audience it's it's uh it's going to be powered by a propane tank uh when the electricity cuts off it'll automatically cut on supposedly mm-hmm. and of course and then there we are with the propane they're going to outlaw propane too aren't they <laughs> So so I don't know how much longer this is going to work out for us. You know, 10 years from now, we, you know, propane will be completely, or five years maybe, outlawed too. But anyway, that's what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Well, and Diane, they're expecting
1: that uh, they'll outlive us. I mean, the reason that it took uh, the the New World Order... Oh okay. Uh, they 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 think they'll outlive us because the reason that this has taken so long they had actually planned to have a lot of this stuff in full in full swing by the year 2000. They put it in there Uh, in their writings that they plan to have this whole New World Order in place by the year 2000. Well,
2: they think they're far too far behind.
1: They're too slow. Right. They're way behind. And the reason they're way behind is because of our generation. The people who grew up in the 60s and the 50s and, and the 70s are now the ones that are getting old and they're planning on outliving us. And once we're gone, they think that generations X, Y, and Z are going to be so well indoctrinated through their communist uh, Marxist school system that uh, they'll just go along with it. So they're trying oh, to why- outlive us. That's why we got to live a long time. That's why well, George-
2: I'm like 90% convinced that's why they they created COVID is to kill off uh, the bo- baby boomers in the end and the World War II generation and so forth because they, you know, s- doctors have long known that, uh, you know, COVID attacks the lungs and mm-hmm. older people are more susceptible to to dying from, you know, pneumonia no, bron- yes. and so forth. So that's why they, I really think that's why they created COVID. I, you know, call me a conspiracy theorist, but that's my conclusion.
1: No, I think you're uh, spot on, diane. and And if you think about how, uh, like in New York State, Como uh, sent the COVID patients to the to the uh, senior care facilities, yeah. and how many people ended up dying as a result of that?
2: He had the highest percentage of elderly deaths, I believe. Yeah. that's why well they were they were sending them back. They were making them prisoners in Oregon, Washington. They were making the elderly prisoners inside their assisted living facility, quite literally. Mm-hmm. I mean mm-hmm. I'm talking about the healthy ones too. They were making them prisoners and then they were sending the sick ones back in. They were doing mm-hmm. the same basically the same thing in Oregon and Washington. You know.
1: Well, when you've got a collapsing Medicare, Medicaid, and Social Security system because of the Foolish uh, way that the whole program was managed by the federal government, and you know that you're going to run out of money because you've you've used uh, your your resources unwisely. The best way to take care of that is get rid of the people that are going to draw those funds. And guess who that is? That's us. <laughs>
3: That's yeah. big, yeah. Well, I mentioned this before. One of the things that I do in my business here, although I make probably 95% of my money from what's called advisor fees, uh, the more money that's invested with my firm here, the more I earn. And uh, it's a, a small percentage, but a small percentage of a lot becomes enough to live on. Well, One of the things I do is arrange large life insurance policies for people who want Uh, They want liquidity at the time they die. Uh, Their assets are mainly in their company, in real estate. They don't have cash to give to charity or to equalize inheritances and so on. And uh, now the actuaries of life insurance companies are in a real Um, quandary about the COVID vaccinations. And I mentioned this before. Uh, the ones who have been vaccinated, and that is the uh, mainly in the uh, 30, age 30 to age 60 bracket, they're the main buyers of life insurance, ages 30 to 60. Uh, one company in that age bracket had a 144% increase in mortality rates. Now, how does that affect... The company's profitability. Now, what are you going to do if you're the company? Are you going to charge people more money if they've been vaccinated? Well, you have to. And then, what's, well, they have well, but- to, but they can't because the government's going to come down on them for penalizing people who did the right thing. They got vaccinated. Yeah, it's killing them. And numbers. With life insurance companies, they don't lie. The actuaries, they're there to make sure the company has a profit. And that's why the long-term care insurance industry has been so, uh, it's been really rocked lately because the insurance companies had no idea that there would be so many people on long-term care soaking up the benefits that they really didn't pay enough premium for. Oh, and uh, right. I have one client, his wife got Alzheimer's, and we were giving her, well, her through him over a hundred thousand dollars per year. Mm-hmm. And that sure. was happening all over the country. And the church oh, companies sure. just they got out of the business. They just couldn't afford to be in that business. So oh. but this is a this is a political thing. What are we gonna do with those people who have been vaccinated and who have a almost an exponentially higher death rate now while oh, there's younger yeah, people. They, well,
2: okay, Not okay. but actuarial work, real actuarial work that has nothing to do with politics, they nothing. rate the, what they, the life expectancy is for somebody given whatever their medical condition is at the time they're being underwritten. I mean, you know, somebody that has the, let's say they have, they are in remission from having uh, some type of cancer some years ago, they're going to pay a higher premium than somebody like me who's Mm -hmm. never had cancer um, at the same and everything else being equal, same age, everything being the same. I mean, that's what actuarial work is, period. That's how you rate your, rate your, your policies. So are you, so you're telling me that, there's no way that the actuaries are allowed to take in consideration whether or not a life insurance or disability insurance applicant has had a COVID shot. They're not allowed to ask because when I was going up for insurance life insurance about 10 years ago, they asked all kinds of medical questions of me. Mm-hmm. I mean, just ones that really quite that's frankly. So that's Well, oh,
3: Diane, it's a political. It's a political football. So they're not allowed. Prestige. If they're not allowed, it's it's just crazy. And listen to this. You know that maybe you don't. I have to ask uh, about family history. Do yeah. you uh, do you have a parent who had yeah. Uh, diabetes?
2: Yeah.
3: yeah. Do you have two parents? You no. Know, if they had two parents who had diabetes, you will have diabetes. And so that affects your, your rates. Oh, yeah. yeah. And so the COVID shots, the same thing. It's going to affect your your mortality. Yeah. Now, I don't know if it's going to affect your rates, which is going to affect the uh-huh. profitability or even the viability uh-huh. of life insurance companies. Actuaries don't care about anything except how soon are you going to have an event? Yeah. And then yeah. they look forward to okay. What are the what are the causes here
1: yeah.
3: for that event, and they charge accordingly.
1: Yeah. Well, and, and it's, George. Uh, wow, George. um. It's a hard, yeah. I'm sorry. Their options are to go out of business, and there yeah. are quite a few of these uh, uh, smaller life insurance companies that have done that that have chose oh, that option, haven't they? Yeah.
3: There are. Uh, I, I use mainly away companies because they're the ones that can underwrite, and if the policy is too big, I ran into a, a, a guy in California, by the way, a, a produce grower. He wanted a uh, $250 million policy because he had no cash. Everything was invested into his company. Well, I can't say the company or anything, but you would know it. And uh, $250 million, well, I looked at it as a really good sale. But the actuaries, when I called them, I said, I have a 71-year-old non-smoker, Great. healthy guy, wants a $250 million whole life policy. And the actuary hung up on me. <laughs> and I called back and I said, listen, we're in that business and we know we can go to Switzerland and get reinsurers on this. And... Uh, yeah. But the thing is, actuaries don't look at it the same way salesmen look at it. I was no. looking at it as a really no. great sale. He um, was looking at it as a horrific yeah.
2: risk. So I'm not sure yeah. what they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's, that's incredible. You know, and two-thirds, correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe 270, 000, uh, Sorry, 270 million Americans have had at least one COVID shot and some have had 3 4 and 5 covid shots. Mm-hmm. So you're looking you're just from what you're seeing George their pool of I'm not sure what's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, life insurance applicants. Their pool of life insurance applicants who aren't going to croak because they've had the jab is is dwindling. Yeah. Well, I, mean, I- 're giving it, it to babies they're giving it to babies even get,
1: get 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 this guys uh my wife and I both are blood donors um, they like us because we're uh power red donors we're the kind of donors we're both uh o negative and uh, which is a oh. universal donor and uh, uh, we wow. all we both have extremely good blood they call it uh, power red uh that they can they can take uh, red blood cells, they can take plasma, they can, they can do all these wonderful things with our blood. Do you know that our blood is extremely, um, I guess, uh, sought after right now by Red Cross because we're unvaccinated? That means yeah, us. They so,
2: know. You mean they won't? Okay, so stop, yeah. stop. Are you telling me that Red Cross will no longer take blood donations from people that have been vaccinated? Is that what you're telling
1: I, me? I'm telling you that our blood, I can't speak for uh, Red Cross, but I can tell you that they absolutely hound us to give blood because we are unvaccinated. Because oh, I believe our in. blood, because of the high you know the good quality blood that my wife and I both share and uh, you are we
0: resting. can give
1: we can give blood to babies to newborns and to uh, different uh individuals that need a special kind uh-huh. of blood you know uh-huh. that it has to be extremely wow. healthy and uh, for that reason, they are look to us because we're unvaccinated it. Wow!
3: Well, I don't know if you two are. Wow. I, I have something to say about your blood. You could probably sell it for a whole lot of money. Well, when I was at, <laughs> when I was well, when you're college, homeless
2: when you're homeless well, when I was in
3: college, well, I I didn't have any money when I was in college. I was you know uh, just for poor farm boy. Well, anyway, if I wanted to go to the fi- Friday night no, beer bash, no, 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 I had to sell oh, a pint cool. of blood. It got ten bucks for a pint. I'll bet you you could get a thousand dollars a pint for yours if you wanted to sell it <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, with inflation the way it is, it's probably right. it could be even more well, actually, what they tell my wife oh, i I oh. didn't hear this, but i she heard this they told her that her donation was worth ten thousand dollars
2: <gasps> you mean so when they turn around and goodness. sell it to um when they turn yeah. around and sell it to hospitals and whatnot yeah.
1: yeah.
3: Yeah, how I could have gone you- to a lot of beer blasts for on that kind of money. I was what's called a cheap, I was a cheap drunk because cheap- you <laughs> give a pint of blood and then you go drink a lot of beer. Uh, yeah, you don't you get even get to drink a lot of beer, you're drunk yeah. after the first one. <laughs> right.
2: Right. How often do you give can you give blood there, Dan? Do you know? Uh, it yeah, it's well,
1: it depends on what what kind of a donation you're doing but typically it's if if it's just a regular uh, blood donation you can do it every uh six weeks you can actually do it if you need to every month but every six weeks is what they talk about and when you do the power red thing they can only do that like uh, uh three times a year i think Mm-hmm. So uh, it's it's a little more of a rare thing. Anyway, uh, I didn't mean to get off on but that. But you see, no, but I'm glad that, you that said That was right, a
2: point. I'm, it
1: shows the point.
2: Yeah, but that's, but I mean, that, that just yet another angle that I hadn't even thought of problems that the government has intentionally created because of the COVID vaccine that isn't really a vaccine. So I don't like using that word uh, that, you know, there's yet another problem we have. This is, that's, that, that society has to deal with. Mm-hmm. You know those.
1: Ah, ah. Well, Diane, just keep in mind. Uh, certainly, George knows this because I've harped at, on it enough times. But just keep in mind that their ultimate plan, their ultimate goal, is yeah. to reduce the world's population to fewer than a billion people. Yeah. And they are going to do that however they can possibly get it yeah. done. Yeah. They're going to do it. And uh, when people get their arms around that idea, then all of a sudden it becomes more of a critical situation because everybody somehow thinks that they're not going to be one of those. And guess what? If they're taking taking down 93%, they're not going to leave just the average Joe to be one of the one of the seven percent the seven percent are going to be the ultra rich the new world order their families and their toadies that are willing to do anything to support them
3: right yeah do you remember no, the james no moralities yeah oh james bond film long ago roger moore was james bond at the time and i like the character jaws uh, he was Richard, uh, Kiel, Richard Kiel yeah, played right. Jaws. He yeah, was a great yeah. villain, but in real life, he was an evangelical Christian who was out doing all kinds of good, uh, oh, in hi. the world, but he made a really great bad guy, but there was a movie called Moonraker. Yeah. And the, uh, a lot of it took place in Venice, uh, where they were developing this, uh, uh pathogen. And then they were going to seed it on the earth, and it would kill everybody who was all humans. It didn't affect animals, just humans. It would affect the entire Earth, wipe out all the human population, except those people who were on the space shuttle. Oh. And they had like 10 space shuttles up there, and maybe 100 people in each one, and a good gene pool there. And so uh, Roger Moore... James Bond, they were able to thwart the plan, and the Earth was not, the human yeah. population wasn't destroyed. But what you're talking about right now is science fiction coming true, yes. reducing the population with a pathogen. Yeah. I hadn't
1: thought of that movie in years.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. My screen has changed here. What are we yeah. showing? What are showing us?
1: Well, this is Stumper put this up. Uh, this is uh, part of this is the US debt clock. Gives you oh, a pretty yeah. good idea of uh, where we're at on that, but actually, uh, there's a lot more to it than just that. It's uh, if you look at all the different, uh, all the different things on there, we're real close to 34 trillion dollars on that, but the unfunded liabilities are like five, six times that amount.
0: Actually, Dan. The I, Security. Uh, actually, Dan. The reason I put that up there because it relates to George's story. Mm-hmm. The secret okay. window that is available now on the U.S. debt clock, which is uh, that image you see in the center of the uh, of the thing that's been uh, it changes every uh, uh, well maybe twice a week or once a week or everything. But right here, it's talking about the Mandela effect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it says, "I could have sworn that you wore braces in Moonraker." <laughs> and that's <laughs> Richard Keel talking mm-hmm. to the young lady with the, the with the blonde uh, ponytails there. Mm-hmm. And then it goes, "That's strange. Why would you say that? Moonraker. You know, mm-hmm. I've seen the movie 20 times. It's the whole reason why you and Jaws instantly fell in love. You must be confusing Moonraker with another movie. No, I'm sure you had braces. It was your shared imperfections that turned you against Drax. No, Drax made a wisecrack about my pigtails. That's what made us turn him on uh, made us turn on him. Drax never said anything like that in my reality. I guess that makes us even. Because I never had braces in mine, so the last two <laughs> posts uh, that they have been putting into and and the people that do the debt clock have been putting this in there. This is actually programmed into the debt clock. Uh, the last one was uh, I guess done. instead of depends, D E P and D S, it's now called depend. The 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 adult diapers are now called depend and and they've dropped the S yes. and they're claiming that this is a, a product of the Mandela effect. I thought that's where you're going, George. So I was ready to have <laughs> you <there. laughs> Thumper,
2: What is the, man- I, what is the Thumper, Mandela effect?
3: I'm uh, kind of shocked here. Thumper, uh, just, I bring up something so esoteric uh, like that and Thumper immediately
1: mm-hmm. Understands where I'm coming from. And trust uh, me, there's a lot. There's a lot going on in that brain uh, on on Thumper. Trust me, he is uh, so much more into what's really happening in the world than than 99.9999.99% 9, of the people. He should go on
3: Jeopardy. You could I think you could win on Jeopardy. You know, my family is a Jeopardy family. My uh little sister, uh Susan was on Jeopardy five times, uh, the real show. Hmm. And uh, I flew I flew my mother out to Hollywood to uh to watch her, and it was when uh Alec Trebek was on. A wonderful, nice guy, but we're we're Jeopardy people. It's no importance. I know all about it. Well, <laughs> seems like Thumper knows more.
0: <laughs> well, uh, the the last one that they had up uh, was yeah, and they're they're talking about the Mandela effect, and is there a possibility that uh, you know when they and they're they've also equated it to CERN. And uh, uh, when they, I don't know if you remember that big spiral that showed up over CERN uh, several years ago. Mm-hmm. What did they open up? Did they open up sign, some kind of uh, porthole or did they, you know, and, and they've actually asked the question on one of these secret, they call it the secret window on the, on the deck clock. And the last three secret windows have all dealt with either CERN, are two instances of the Mandela effect. Now, uh Diane, you were asking you, know, are you are you not familiar with the Mandela effect? No. No. Uh they call it the Mandela effect because some people swear that uh uh what's his, what's what's Mandela's first Nelson. name? Nelson. Nelson. Nelson Mandela. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh there's there's two distinct stories. Uh uh one he was put in prison, one he was killed. Some people uh, remember that he was killed. Uh you also have uh the Yeah, uh, are you familiar with the children's book, The Berenstein Bears? That's well, another only one. In of,
2: passing, only in passing.
0: Okay. Well, was it Berenstein or was it Berenstein? Okay. Uh there's two separate groups of there's people out there that remember it one way and other people remember it the other way. Mm-hmm. Now what we have here is we have uh, the Moonraker movie, and I've seen this movie. I have the I have the VHS of this movie, and I also oh. have the DVD copy of this movie. Uh-huh. I haven't gone in, but I remember the fact that the you know she had braces, he had the metal teeth, right and that's what drew them together. Uh-huh, right. All right. And in Drax's world, they were imperfect. And when he made a few comments that his world were going to be, was going to be made up of perfect people, Drax and I, I forget her name in the movie, but uh, uh, you know they realized that they were imperfect and uh, based on Drax's right. ideal human human being. Right, and so they eventually turned against him and and helped 007 thwart. The the evil villain.
2: Geez, I gotta go watch that again. Oh my goodness! <laughs> no, I mean it's been so many years. I mean that was back what in the seventies?
0: Yeah, yeah, Did Dolly. I guess her name was Dolly. Dolly, which okay. Is, which again, you know, if you think about it, Dolly, I think I think there's some Mandela effect with uh, Dolly the sheep. Uh, oh, you know, yeah, and the cloning of the sheep and yeah, all that.
2: The first animal that was cloned didn't live yeah. very long.
0: But, there are you know. so many subtleties to this stuff. It is. It's crazy. But anyway, I I apologize for. uh, I thought I was. No, I I helped out there, George.
2: Thank you.
3: (laughs) Thank you. I have have even more trivia on this. I have a client. I had a client. He passed away, a wealthy guy in Atlanta who invested into that movie. Ah. And the movie, as far as the investors go, didn't make any money. Movies oh. are a bad thing to invest in because the um, yeah. Yeah. the movie they company cheat. can make cheat. it come out as no yeah. profit for the investors. They cheat, yeah. yeah. And you can expect, hopefully, to get your money back, but that's about it. Yeah. Movies are a bad investment. Yeah.
2: Well, they, they book they do strange bookkeeping and they whatever. Yeah, that's just it. Yeah, yeah.
1: Well, we just oh, had well, we okay. just had a show about a week ago on Mandela effect uh and oh. and we had it from a guy firsthand uh Dr. Uh, Harry Buyn, he's a, a physicist who worked in the weapons industry in South Africa. He's now living in Canada. Um George, I introduced you to uh, Harry at one point because I was trying to get you guys together because you're both musicians. Uh, Harry was also, a, I, I believe, a bass guitar player. Uh, and I was trying to get you guys connected. But anyway, he was talking about the Mandela effect and that how so many people have such a twisted perception. Of what reality really is, and it's because you can, you can, two people can see the same thing, and now uh, based on their psychological makeup, they'll have a totally different uh, perception of what actually happened.
2: Well, yeah, the well, uh, it all depends. Law enforcement has, yeah. been, has dealt with this yeah. for
1: years.
3: Exactly. Well, Even we all know this. we're we're just yeah. in the matrix, and uh, so how have we been programmed to perceive the matrix. You know that,
1: <laughs> George. You're and spot then- on. You're spot yeah, on. That's so many- why <laughs> we do the red pill expos. It's because we're living in the matrix, yes. and uh, you know, we have no idea what uh, reality really is.
3: Well, you know, I- Dan, when you're 80 years old, everything that somebody says brings back another memory. I was hunting <laughs> with my dad. I was, I was down in South Africa. And we were hunting, wow. we were near the uh, Botswana border, near the Kalahari wow. Desert up there, mm-hmm. hunting Elon. And we, uh, our guide, we had a pickup truck, and the, our guide had a flat tire. Here he had no flashlight. So we had to make a campfire there uh, by which he could change the tire. Really made me mad that our guide would not be prepared for something like that, but at least he did have a spare tire. And then we heard machine gun fire coming from maybe two miles away. And then machine gun fire from maybe they were 200 yards apart from each other. I said, what in the hell is going on in my Dad said, Georgie, what the hell did you just get me into? <laughs> and then, and then, It's all your fault, George. The guy, said, the guy said, that's the file. That's so we threw sand on the fire. I said, what's going on? He said, African National Congress and versus the, uh,
1: the uh, guys um, that farmers. are- Boer Farmers.
3: Boer yeah, Farmers. Yeah.
1: yeah,
3: the farmers in the African National Congress. What makes me mad right now about- South Africa is that the farmers, the white farmers down there that founded, pretty much founded South Africa, are now f- fair game. They can be killed. Yeah, they're being slaughtered. And their land can be, t- and they were so productive and, and yeah. uh, people from all over, all over that area would go to South Africa to live because the life was so much better there in spite of apartheid. And now it's just getting terrible everywhere, especially since and the Green the economy
2: Deal economy and isn't, aren't they starving down there now? Isn't the economy the pits?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's just I, they I'm don't right? understand. They, I didn't like apartheid, but what's happening now is a worse crime.
1: Yeah. Well, yeah. under apartheid, uh, South Africa in about 1980, before they started putting the sanctions in place, was the 14th wealthiest economy in the world. And now they're uh, number 56 or 57, uh, and they're going downhill so fast that uh, it doesn't matter how many resources they have. They don't have enough because uh, even the gold mining and the diamond mining in South Africa has gone down because – uh, th- th- there's so much corruption and graft in the government, in the ANC, and the communist system that uh, that wealth isn't going to anybody except a handful of people that control everything.
3: Yeah, a former friend of mine there, Henny Coetzee, wonderful guy. Uh, and I still worry about okay, what happened to Henny and to his family uh, with what's going on right now. The uh you know, where people can attack you and take your property and take your life because you're white. Yeah. It's uh almost like Biden's war on the mythical white supremacist. Oh, you know? you, I don't, you I don't think it? I've ever I don't think I've ever met a white supremacist
1: no. in my entire life. I haven't either. But
3: here no. we are.
2: But you know what? It works. It works. The younger people, by younger, I'm talking under 40, they have been so brainwashed over the last 30 years to see a, a, a white supremacist behind every bush that they really... I mean, I understand why the, the Biden regime is always pushing, you know, demented Biden out out onto the microphone to, to rail against white supremacists and how they're ruining the country, et cetera, et cetera, because the younger people believe it. They really think there's a ton of us out there doing all kinds of nasty things, and we are to blame for X, Y, and Z. It's just bizarre. I still remember when a reporter asked me. This was in 2018. We were over talking over the telephone. He was interviewing me because I was getting ready to sue the Oregon State Bar, and he just kind of off the and he was under 30. I I could tell that. He just kind of off the cuff at the end. He said something like, "Well, you're a white supremacist, right?" And of course, after and I'm laughing. I mean, then I, I mean I'm laughing and laughing. Dead silence. Dead silence. He he couldn't grasp why I was laughing. And then he, and then finally he said, "Well, okay, well, how many white supremacists do you know?" <laughs> and I continued to look I mean, he couldn't wrap his head around the, just because I, I disapproved of uh, political indoctrination in order to keep your uh, license to practice law in Oregon. It had nothing to do with race. My objection had nothing to do with race, but he just he just leapfrogged to that conclusion that I was a white supremacist because I was complaining about the Oregon State Bar, which, by the way, is you know ninety nine percent white. White. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like that, what? what?
1: That's that's the part that's hard to reconcile, Diana, is the fact that if you want to look at who the racists are, you yeah, know, yeah. they're the Democrats. They're the people yeah. who. Yeah. Who uh, label and put people in particular under particular labels or in particular boxes mm-hmm. because of their race? They do yeah. the same thing with right. blacks. They they tell black families, "Well, you can't be. You've got to be a victim. You can't be uh, productive enough to make up for the fact that you're a victim." And uh, anytime somebody excels and does well, they try to poo-poo that and put them in a box that says, no, that didn't happen. Uh, You couldn't happen. You just are living in a delusion that somehow you are doing well because of your own hard work.
2: Well, they accuse you of trying to be white, trying to act white. Right. Right. If a black man is so successful, you're trying to be white. That's like, what? Mm -hmm. I mean, he's just living his life. Leave him alone. Mm -hmm. You know? Yeah. He's gotten off the Democrat plantation, and they can't tolerate that. Mm -hmm. You know? That's right.
3: Well, you know, our time is running out, and I have to say, I've never been with such an undisciplined couple (laughs) as you two.
2: (laughs) Undisciplined. (laughs) Mm -hmm.
3: (laughs) This has gone Um, all over the place. Um. Um, I, when I lived in, when I lived in Germany, I became friends with the son of one of Hitler's people. He was a movie producer, and he produced a movie called The Eternal Jew. Oh, yeah. Have you ever heard of that yeah. uh, movie called The Eternal Jew? It was a, yeah. it was in preparation for the Holocaust, yeah. and what they tried to do yeah, was to paint it. the Jew
1: yeah.
3: as a rat to be eradicated. Mm-hmm. And the white supremacist thing here that Biden is doing, it yeah. really reminds me of the same thing, the eternal Jew. Bingo. And Absolutely. all the problems that we have are because of white supremacists, even though they're yeah. pretty much a mythical lot.
2: Yeah, I've myth- never met yeah. one. Yeah, I've never met, when, he, and even the uh, when I was being interviewed over the phone, uh, I, I said to him, I said, you know, the FBI says there's only 20,000 white supremacists in the whole United States. I said, do you really think that I would know the four that are in Oregon, <laughs> that mm-hmm. live in Oregon? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> oh, I we pointed, stick together. We white well, supremacists. Yeah. And I pointed out to him. <laughs> and I pointed out to him. Even the, the FBI says these are virtually all men, and they're and they're high school dropouts. These are uneducated men. And I pointed out to him. You know, I'm I'm a professional woman, and uh, you know, and it didn't seem to ring. It's like they've taken the de- the, 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 the they have redefined white supremacists. I mean, you you know this. They have redefined it to mean anybody that disagrees with the government i mean basically mm-hmm. and then they're now they're even calling people who aren't pale skin like us three they're calling them white supremacists they mm-hmm. called they, they called uh, that chinese lady white supremacist, the one who who's ta- uh, wrote a book and is talking against uh, uh, you know, she's seeing the same thing that happened in her childhood when Mao, Mao's cultural revolution destroyed, you know, had people killing each other. She's seeing the same thing now here. She's a white supremacist. And then there's the lady from India who's outspoken, uh, Osrei, I forget mm-hmm. her last name, ASRI is her first name. Uh, she's being called a white supremacist. And so is Larry Elder. I mean, this is, you know, mm-hmm. these people are crazy. They
1: are crazy. And the the thing is, is all you've got to do is disagree with what they are trying to sell and they're going to put a label on you. And of course, they've done that uh, pretty effectively, like you say, Diane, but uh, my friend, Matthew Cummings, who is a black Pentecostal minister, In Washington State, they've labeled him as a a white supremacist because of the fact that he identifies communists as being bad people. Well, he does that because he actually went to school in Detroit under Bill Ayers in what they called the New Community School. As a child, his mother entered him into the school there, and he became a student there, and they, uh, uh, she identified Bill Ayers and the, his, uh, first grade teacher was a lady by the name of Diane Otten, who was a bomb maker for the Weather Underground. She actually blew herself up a couple of years later, making bombs for Bill Ayers in the Weather Underground. This is a kind of crap. And, and incidentally, Bill Ayers was uh, a mentor and a very good friend of Obama.
2: Uh, yes, I know. In he Chicago. wrote his
1: books for him. Yeah, he actually wrote the books that Obama got credit for, uh, oh, did he? for writing. I was aware of that. That was Bill Ayers. Yeah. I anyway, but oh. we're the bad guys because we point out that the oh. emperor has no clothes.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's really it's it's fascinating to try to dialogue because I write for Substack uh, for about the last. Well, I've been writing for about a year and a half for them, but about a little bit less than a year ago, I have been trying to get liberals, people that support Biden and various other progressives and stuff. I've been inviting them to write to me so we can have a dialogue. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah. well, I've had several dialogues with a number of people, but the most recent one. Turns out she lives not very far from me. She didn't realize it until she, till I wrote back, but she wrote to me and she invited me to answer a few questions, right? And she knew she was, she said she was progressive and she knew I was conservative and she wanted to talk politics. Okay, I did great, this is fabulous. I was happy and she was polite. There wasn't any, even a hint of sarcasm or nastiness or, you know, putting me down or anything. I thought, wow, this is great. Anyway, to make a long story short, we've been back and forth. This has been about a month and a half now. We've been back and forth and back and forth. And we have literally been talking past each other. Because whenever, and I send her links to back up my opinion, you know, such and such is happening. Okay. I send her links to it. And then her next email, she says to me, I know nothing about that. What are you talking about? So it's just like it's like uh, it's amazing. You know, I asked her did she support the uh, uh we have an AG here who's running for governor next year, Ferguson. Um, he he is uh, tried last legislative session. He's going to try again this legislative session to put together some type of a statute that hunts down conservatives and Christians and puts them and tries to re- deprogram them. I'm, I mean this literally. Mm-hmm. I mean this. I've heard him speak. Okay, and and so I sent her the link, and she goes, "Well, I don't know anything about that."
1: Well, so you I, better look at she, it.
2: Well, Why didn't she just look at it and say back to me? I mean, she could have said something like, oh, come on, you're exaggerating. They're not going to do it. I mean, this is what I expected her to say. And mm-hmm. she and she writes back and she goes, well, I know something about that. And then I wrote back to her and I said, well, I just sent you the link. And don't take my, you know, I said, don't take my word for it. Mm-hmm. Here's the link to the bill. Here's the link to his interview with um, a PBS. Quite, I mean, literally, I mean, it's really, if this catches hold... And other states do anything comparable. I, I understand Nevada's doing something comparable, uh, supposedly. Uh, but Diane, uh, just... So, anyway. Her. Uh, What's that? Drop, drop her. Well, I'm i so frustrated now I'm done. I See, she hasn't answered me back the last time. I said, well, you know, check my check the links. Don't take my word for it. Well, that was two or three days ago, and I haven't heard back. I don't think I will. But you, see, you get my point. I mean, she started it. She initiated yes. this. I did not initiate it, but at some point, you know, I guess I just overwhelmed her brain uh, that she, oh my god, I can't, I can't look at that, can't look at that, can't, I don't understand. Mm-hmm. You get me? I just, I don't understand. I, I oh,
3: basic up. stable I, data. What's I, that? You ruined. We all live on basic stable data. Mine comes from the, you know, the culture I was raised in. Christianity, yeah. biblical truth, and uh, capitalism, uh, work hard and you'll do well. That is my basic stable data, and yours too. But the thing is, is you were ruining the platform on which her whole life was built, and it just mm. you made her feel really uh, what I would call insecure by what you were bringing into her. Uh, was you were ruining your basic stable data. Uh, that's a, a frightening thing for people. I understand, people but why did, like I understand
2: that, but why did she write to me in the first place? She knew I was conservative. And she, that's, that's wanted, what...
1: she wanted to convert you, not the other way around. And when she found out that you had uh, mm-hmm. information mm-hmm. that might make her cognitive dissonance go away. There you go then she didn't want to she didn't want to uh, deal with it and frankly you probably won't hear from from her again because she'll look at maybe one or two of those links you sent her and it will be so disturbing to her that she'll go back into her cocoon and just isolate herself even
2: Uh, more okay all right I, i appreciate that i hadn't thought of it like that Uh Anyway, it's it's sad because she probably votes. She probably votes, you know? That's the problem.
1: (laughs) Well, I grew up with a family like that. That was kind of my dad's family. And I can tell you, the last thing they want to hear is the truth. And they're incredibly high IQ individuals, but they don't want to hear the truth. They really don't. Are you going to get your book, Georgie? George, are you going to put up your book, please? Uh, we need. To- uh, no, I am. I'm not. It, when I was a kid, we had a
3: uh, a feud going with the Youngs, the Young family. Y O U N G. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got my first black eye from a young, and uh, a young got his first black eye from me, and so on. And we never referred to them as the Youngs. It was always the no good Youngs. Well, I have a friend here in town, General Dave Young, and he gave me a Christmas present. I don't know if you can see it here. It's Merry (laughs) Christmas from the No Good Youngs. (laughs) (laughs) He's a good sport about it, but the No Good Youngs, and by the way, it's a lump of coal, and uh, it's my (laughs) Christmas present from the No Good Youngs. Uh, I love it. (laughs) Uh, so Merry Christmas. You, am I allowed to say that on your
1: show, Dan? Merry you Christmas. You very much.
2: And Merry Christmas to, to you guys, too.
1: Merry Christmas, <laughs> and have you have a blessed and happy new year. Yeah. Thanks this for having
2: us on your show. Thank you. Okay. 2024 will make or break this country. It literally. will. And literally. That's literally,
1: where I'm at. And incidentally, Diane, I've had a, a Generac generator hooked up to my house for 20 years. Uh, for the very same thing you're talking about, I rarely use it, but yeah. it's on an automatic transfer switch that that transfers electricity after 30 seconds of the power being out. Is they that it? 30 great. seconds. Okay. Yeah. Well, good. We still
2: have the same one. That's good. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, ha- Merry Christmas.
1: Happy Happy Thank New you. Year, and uh, we'll talk to you guys on the other side and of the too. of the new millennium. <laughs>